cross the streams. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the streams was bad. Cross Stream Podcast, Episode 8, Table of Contents. Kip and Kate, I own coming back at you. And we got a different format today. No interview guests, but we do have a best of seven segment where we go back through and try to list out the most impactful uh, and most exciting moments from each of our episodes we've done up to this point and give you reasons to go back through that catalog of seven uh, episodes and listen to some of our guests who all have their own uh, personal, impactful Cross the Streams moment. We follow that up with a Way Back When segment called Jugger- Juggernauts of the Video Game Era. Uh, we talk about different characters, different games, different levels that were damn near impossible for us to beat and maybe similarly uh, caused you a lot of problems as well. And finally, we bring back our guest, Brandon Eggert, for a Crack the Egg segment where we throw some rapid fire, uh, either or, if not him, then that segment questions to Brandon and get his usual colorful and insightful commentary on his opinions. Cross the Streams, Episode 8, coming at you. Cross the Streams podcast. We're technically in episode eight, so we've done seven of these things, Kane. If you can believe that, um, which is a it's a funny thing to think of that we actually cranked out seven of these with all the segments we've taped and managed to put them all together in some coherent fashion. Uh, but we want. <laughs> We wanted to make sure we went back and, and talked about, you know, best of seven is the name of this segment, maybe because we're both into the NBA and, and, and the series type atmosphere of the playoffs. So best of seven, trying to think back on things that we really felt were impactful from our guests, were maybe most fun for us to do uh, together in certain different kind of segments, but just really wanted to recap in the next 10 minutes or so reasons to go back for, for listeners uh, and listen to some of the things we've done up to this point. So what, what do you got off the top of your head that you can remember? Um, impact-wise, something you heard? Uh, I thought that uh, the very first one with Coach Allen yep. and just some of the things that he had as far as the ways that he connected with his players, the ways that he found that he could somehow um, each individual guy find a way to connect to them. But first and foremost, he had to be connected with himself. And he had to know who yeah. he was and, and uh, make sure that he was always genuine in that regard. And, and so that way, when he presented himself to these players, to these NBA guys, that they weren't going to see through. Because uh, guys, kids, uh, as we know as coaches, they will see through the fake. And they will see through yes. somebody that's not really who they're putting out there that they are trying to be. And uh, I thought it was very cool to hear him when talking about dealing with NBA players that, hey, I'm, I had to get to know myself first, be very self-aware of who I am so I could be genuine when I'm trying to get to know these guys. And then just some of the things that he did to to find those connections, I thought was really uh, – I know I took those down as uh, notes and, and have tried to apply them myself in, in what I'm doing. And I, I completely agree. I thought of David Adelman, assistant coach, at the time when we interviewed him with the Orlando Magic. And now, I don't know if you saw this, Kane, he's moved on. He's numbered. He was number three on the bench at Orlando. Now he's the number two guy in Denver with, with the Nuggets. So he wow. had a previous relationship wow. with Coach Mike Malone. So, yeah, so David Adelman from the NBA, 
uh, coaching tree. Obviously, his dad in the Hall of Fame. That's episode one for you guys uh, to jump back and listen to what Kane's mentioning. We had a chance to sit down with an NBA assistant coach and really hear how he tries to connect to millionaires and still try to get them to make layups. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I always I always found that fascinating to me, coaching at that professional level. You know, obviously being at the college level for a long time and, and having uh, dealing with high school kids during high school camps and even younger kids when you're uh, talking about summer camps and whatnot, uh, just never having worked with professional athletes. I, I'm very intrigued by that and curious as far as how that goes. And uh, so I thought that interview in general was very interesting. Absolutely. And I, I think for me, one of the things that really stuck out for me that, that I was happy for us in terms of what we set out to do with this podcast was get a wide range of stories uh, for people and find cross the stream moments that hopefully were engaging, were interesting, but also were hopefully mobilizing for people across a lot of different areas. We didn't want to just say, hey, we're going to have all nothing but coaches and let's talk scheme and motivating players to win championships, <laughs> right? Exactly. We exactly. do enough of that in our day-to-day ourselves. So I was really pleased that we were able, and obviously we're lucky enough to have a lot of great people in our lives that we can call on to be on the show. But you take a look at the list of people and their occupations that we've had on. As we mentioned, we've had an NBA assistant coach. We've had the director of corporate partnership uh, and corporate sponsorships at an SEC school. We've had a network marketer. We've had a co-founder of a charity drive. Uh, we've had a business entrepreneur who owns his own business technology company. And we've had a creator of a nonprofit organization that helps at-risk youth get hoop skills. So for me, I think that was a lot of fun to be able to bring on those different types of stories uh, and get those people's, uh, you know, their tales of how they've done what they've done and, and get it out there to our audience. There's no question. And, and exactly like you said, that's that was one of our biggest points or emphasis of this podcast, uh, hence the title of it, Cross the Streams, where you and I as coaches, you a basketball coach, me as a football coach, we're still able to get information from each other, from one another, learn from our own ex- from different experiences and be able to yep. apply that in, in what we're doing. And hopefully by getting these guests that we have on this podcast that are in, in different realms in, in are successful in these different areas of life, we can take something from them and all you listeners can take something from that what you're listening to and, and apply it to what you may be doing in your life, whether whatever that may be. So I, I would agree, man. And just some of the comments that we've gotten from uh, people that have listened uh, to our podcast and, and that to me, I think sticks out where they all are like, wow, that, that was a very interesting interview. And, and I, gained, yeah. I gained something from that. Absolutely. You know, one thing I, I thought that in terms of specific guest interviews, I know you mentioned David Adelman, I thought Kofense Hinson, wide receivers coach at Hawaii, when he talked about knowing the industry that you and I work in and just knowing getting hired in general, the process of going to get a job and the fact that he's never worked for a head coach that he knew previously, meaning he didn't have this, my buddy Kofense I know him, you know him, hire him because he's my friend. He had to go earn every job in that in, in, uh, interview setting. I thought yeah. that was amazing. That was one of the things that really stuck out to me. I, I, I agree 100% with that as well. Uh, Kofense, I thought there was a lot of similarities just because of the, the uh, coaching, football coaching. Um, and I thought, you know, it's always fun to talk with a coach that you've actually faced off against yeah. uh, on the football field and things that he's. Uh, been successful with they're not successful and, and just some of the experiences and be able to compare and contrast and um, I really thought the the part where he talked about uh, just having your own philosophy and having your own values uh, or your values that help build your philosophy and in turn if you can stick to your philosophy while you're coaching that's just going to help your uh, help you be that much more successful I, I really thought that was uh, very good 
And that was Kofense Henson, wide receivers coach, uh, University of Hawaii, and also, as Kane mentioned, coach against Kane in the Big Sky when he was the offensive coordinator at the University of Montana. That's episode three, I believe, for us, yes, that, that Kofense was the featured guest on. Um, you know, one thing that, that's uh, expanded back out that I thought was awesome, um, uh, Matt Espinosa, the Salem Hoops Project. You know, we, we talked at length about the, the climate today for youth. I think the article came out after we did the episode two interview with Noza is the professionalization yep. of youth sports in Time Magazine. <laughs> How about that? How about the timing of that? And just having yeah. touched on that a little bit with uh, Coach Espinoza and, and what he's doing for children in the complete opposite of what is actually yep. happening around the country as far as the this absolute exploitation, in my mind, of youth sports to try and gain some money as opposed to using sports to gain knowledge, to gain ex valuable experiences, to promote um, sports with children and, and kids. And, and just the pure joy of playing sports is now being take away, taken away, in my opinion, because of yep. how much this sports for profit is taken over, essentially. Yep. And, yep. So that's episode two. Coach Matt Espinoza here in Salem, Oregon, runs the Salem Hoops Foundation, Salem Hoops Project, which his sole goal is, and sole like mantra is, you shouldn't have to be rich to gain skills in basketball. Uh, so obviously, we really enjoyed hearing how he's turned a nonprofit that doesn't spit out a lot of money for him, but has really impacted a lot of youth here in Salem area that need it, at-risk youth and different socioeconomic backgrounds, different family backgrounds. Uh, so that's episode two. Any other ones that stick out to you, Kane, from the interview? segment uh, i thought it was fun listening to kelly and you uh going back and forth <laughs> right. just because of, you know the family connection there the husband and wife interview i think that's always a, a fun dynamic but also just to be able to see and com or compare and contrast uh, multi-level marketing mm -hmm. or yeah um what's the the other word for it? Network. network marketing what however you want to term yep. it however you want to call it it is not a pyramid scheme i'll tell you that right now just go That's and listen right. to the interview um do yep. some research on the, they're 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 awesome and they are providing people with tremendous opportunities to be successful and also opening up their lives for just freedom uh to do a lot of different things that they weren't also weren't able to do uh with your typical everyday nine mm -hmm. to five job uh and this or this could actually just help supplement you as far as your income is concerned so uh, i just yeah. in like we talked about in the interview just the carryover uh from that in kind of our own coaching and recruiting and how much there is so much similarities uh, there as well Yes, absolutely. And that's what Kane's referencing there is, uh, I think that was episode four, episode five with my wife, Kelly Ione, uh, who's with Plexus, the health and wellness company. You know, one that I want, and we'll get into this guest. Uh, you guys probably heard him earlier in the podcast, our Crack the Egg segment with Brandon Eggert. Eggert had, probably had one of the most defining statements or like sharing of knowledge for me in his interview discussing how he decided that it was the right time for him to purchase uh his his business that he that he runs now his technology company when he talked about disproving the null in the true methodology behind the scientific method that thing i tell you i've used it 35,000 times with people. They're probably sick of me saying disprove the null, and I blame Eggert. But it was that was so <laughs> impactful for me, and it's really changed the way we game plan here as a staff. Uh, it's really en enhanced the way we go about trying yeah. to prove. Instead of proving and wishing upon a star the ways we're going to win a game, we try mm -hmm. to disprove all the ways we could lose it. And at the end of the day, like Eggert said, that only leaves us with winning. 
You know what? What I just thought of as you were talking about that, as far as applying that to different things, is is what about recruiting? What about a a, a way to uh, to disprove the null? Yes, to disprove the null as far as if this recruit is right for you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like finding all the ways that this kid could potentially not be good for you, and then li- trying to eliminate that as much as you possibly can. So when it's all said and done, well, yeah, this kid is only he's going to be a hundred. And it's hard to say 100%, yeah. but it's, if you can get as close to 100%, that's going to be so yeah. beneficial for you in every program as far as recruiting is concerned. Find yeah. the ways that – or disprove the ways that this kid will fail mm-hmm. at University of Washington or at Willamette University or wherever you're at. And in turn, all you have left is reasons why he will be successful at your place. Absolutely. And everybody, that's episode four with, with Brandon Eggert. Um, and not, not that we didn't enjoy everyone. I mean, Taylor Mounts, uh, the corporate partnership director at uh, University of Auburn, Brian Newton's uh, tragedy to triumph story. Oh, man, that was, right? that was amazing. And, you know, so I, 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 we've been very lucky. We want to say thank you to all our interview guests. And really the fun part for us now is we get geared up for our next seven. We got to go find more great people. Yeah. Uh, and I've <laughs> got a list. I've got a list of people. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on the phone as soon as I can. It's just a it's a busy time of year. Uh, I mean, it's you not like so, you're busy. You're not like you're getting ready for University <laughs> of Colorado into football. It's relatively <laughs> busy, but I would love. I've I've got a list of people um, that I'm excited to try and track down and, and get lined up to get on here and talk through some things. And uh, I've had some guys that have reached out that want to be on here as well. So uh, feel free to all you listeners out there to hit us up on some comments, um, mm-hmm. email us. Texas, if you have our contact information, if you want to get on the podcast and you've got something that you want to discuss, or if it's just some random uh, article that you saw and you want to be a part of the wild card segment, feel free because it's that's what this thing's all about. Hey, and the best best case news: not only can you follow us both on Twitter, uh, I'm at Kip Ione, Kane's at Ione, no question. Uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud, but now. In the last yeah. week, you can catch us on iTunes. How about that? Hey, what about that? Was that a moment or what? That was a moment. That was, <laughs> I was like, wow. I woke up and, and saw that message. I was like, yes, look, this yeah. is going to be a great day. How about you, you us? Grab it. <laughs> Cross the streams. We'll be back. Cross the Stream podcast. Now, it's kind of a way back when type segment. Uh, and I thought of this one the other day when I was playing late night. The family had finally gone to sleep. And I'm playing Injustice 2, which is a fighter video game involving DC superheroes. Um, that's what head coaches do at night when they can't sleep. Uh, they play video games. And I could not beat Darkseid. For about an hour and a half, and that's a bad guy in the DC universe, and it drove me insane, and I was thinking to myself, if I ever wasted this much time of my life trying to beat either a a thing, a level, a team, or a character on a video game, so I I texted Kane and said, we got to talk about video game juggernauts of our past, things that we Mm -hmm. can remember on whatever console absolutely drove us insane. But that moment you did beat them, it was damn near like your favorite team winning the Super Bowl, that level yeah. of worthiness for a celebration. Exactly, exactly. And there was, I mean, it's such a good category. It's a tough one, too, because, I mean, you literally got to go try and search because I couldn't come up with the names of some of these characters <laughs> right. off the top of my dome, right? I mean, yeah, you've really got to be uh, in tune with your video games if, if you can remember some of these characters that – as you're saying, some of these juggernauts that you just could not beat. Right. 
Okay, I went to my first one, and this is obvious because everybody remember Tecmo Bowl, the first one. Oh, yeah. Not Super Tecmo oh, Bowl. Yeah. If you pick mm -hmm. the play that you're like, say, Kate and I are playing, and I picked left and A, and that's what he picked, my team would swarm his running back, and that'd be game over. Unless mm -hmm. it was Bo freaking Jackson from the Raiders. Because there was no uh -huh. stopping. He was going to throw five of my seven guys on the screen off and still run for 80. Bo Jackson, Tecmo Bowl 1 is my first juggernaut. That, that's a great call. That's a great call. I would have thought you, if you were going to bring up Tecmo Bowl that you would have just thought that to say that I was the juggernaut oh. that you couldn't beat with my Walter <laughs> Payton and Chicago Bears. Willie throwing think, Willie Galt streaks. <laughs> Willie Galt Dave, streaks were unstoppable because he'd jump Dave up Dorson before the ball, ball was due. Oh, oh that, that defense was something else. And my, yeah, Mike Singletary, Richard Dent. You, I mean, you couldn't stop the Bears. So, yes, Bo Jackson is, is one of the single greatest video game characters in, in video game history, but my Chicago Bears and myself, we could oh. take him down. See, I, I would. We, we could, could do a whole other segment on you being shorter allowed you to see my controller as I picked the plays. That's going to be my <laughs> it's my uh, art. <laughs> uh, what's your first one? What do you on. got? So I'm going to stick with Nintendo. I'm going to stick with the Nintendo okay. game console. And one of my favorite games, and this is a very underrated video game. I don't think many people know of this game. I hope you do because it was classic. If you were a baseball fan. This was a, a classic game to play, especially if you're a Little League Baseball fan. Nintendo had a game, Little League Baseball. Yes. And my godparents got me this game back in the day. Phil and Jeannie Keeter got me this yep. game for like a birthday. And I was like, huh, I've never heard of this, Little League Baseball. That was an addicting game where you could play with teams from California, Texas, yep. New York, Hawaii, and then you could play other teams for different countries. And the team in particular mm -hmm. that I'm thinking of that was the juggernaut on that game, Chinese Taipei. Oh, they were impossible. That's exactly, Chinese yep. Taipei. I totally agree. Yeah, and they were the littlest dudes that didn't have any home run power. Each team used to have <laughs> two or three dudes that could hit it out. They yep. had zero guys that could hit it out of the park. They were all, though, just supremely fast, quick. They would bunt, mm -hmm. steal, and you could not score a run on them. They never made mistakes. They were no. incredible. They yep. were a juggernaut. No, I completely agree. And I remember I would only play with Texas on that team because they had my man mm -hmm. Stan from Texas because everybody had one-word names. And Stan had home run yep. power through the roof. But, boy, if he didn't make contact, he wasn't getting on base. If he didn't hit it over the fence, he <laughs> wasn't getting on base. And that was, the only, that was my only chance of scoring against them, against Chinese Taipei. Yeah. If maybe Stan gets a hold of one, we might get on the board. But otherwise, That's we're it. just gonna they're gonna strike us out every inning, and we'll probably get ten run ruled. That's it. Yep. I was I was California. I had my guy Saul and Ward. Yes! Saul was a murderer's row. Saul oh, was Saul was the fun. big, tall, lanky guy, and then Ward yep. was the next fourth hitter. That was the uh, big pudgy dude that would just knock it out of the park. But still, Chinese Taipei and their pitching in uh, yep. defense was just extreme. I can remember that game probably didn't do a lot for us in terms of uh, good sport teams being a good teammate because you would have guys in your lineup. You only knew they're like, come on, Corky. You're yeah. terrible. This guy's an <laughs> automatic out. I hate him. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you, you literally every if there was a certain name on, on a guy or a, a guy on your team, this certain name, that name forever you thought was a bad athlete. I don't care who. <laughs> 
it would took me forever to meet a guy named Kyle that I thought would be a good athlete because of this little league baseball game. Kyle yep. was the worst player on the California team. Oh, that's so good. Hey, okay, I got one. A lot of people, I'm sure this is a popular one, because, but I think there's various characters in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Everyone's oh, yeah. going to say, oh, I did the code and I went to Tyson. And, of course, Tyson was hard. No, no question. Mm -hmm. I had a hell of a time beating Sandman. I had a hard time. Yeah, I have no idea why Sandman was a big problem for me. And I had to ask you or Mike Boyle of oh, the trick. Like, I could beat both bald bulls. No problem. Yep. The bald bull, yep. bring it. But the second mm -hmm. I saw Sandman, boy, I was using all my freaking uh, retries on Sandman. Yep. yep. No, I'm with you there. Sandman was a beast. Soda Popinski. It was another Soda tough Popinski. one. Soda Popinski. Yes. Soda Popinski, man. It took you a while to to. And you know what was funny about that game that you you didn't know it at the time, but that taught you how to scout, how to scout opponents. Yeah. You would literally watch other people box or go on, yeah. on, on their turn, and your friends would be going, and you'd be scouting the boxer out, going, "All right, there, yep, there it is. There's the trick you need yep. right there." When he, when like when Hippo opens his mouth, that's when you punch him yep. in the gut. You know, or the little diamond little on the guy with the turban. Yeah, if that yeah. thing flashed, flashed, that was that's your only it. chance. Yep. Yep. That's a great point. Can we do that when we hire staff? Listen, have you played Mike Tyson's punch out? And could you give me a write up of Bald Bull, <laughs> E Honda, and Soda exactly. Pop? And then I'll, I'll know if you know what the hell you're looking at. Give me a scouting report on five of the opponents of, of Mike Tyson punch out in your hand. <laughs> And then you know what else was messed up about that game? You'd get all the way to say Sandman. And if he beat you three times in a row, they mm -hmm. dropped you three fighters back. Mm. And then mom would be like, We gotta go. And you're like, No, I gotta beat no. Sandman, but I gotta get through Popinski in Raging yep. Bull again. Yep. What are you talking about, kid? Get in the car. <laughs> oh, that's classic. That is classic. I know you know what I wonder if kids nowadays have this same issue or if they have more of I don't have a character on the game as much as I have a nemesis on online community. Mm. Like I remember when Halo came out and we were all yep. playing Halo and you could join mm -hmm. up with your buddies, but then you would be like, oh, my God, there's that Victory 27 end up. <laughs> if you don't beat this goddamn guy tonight. And I, maybe uh -huh. that's where it's at, or Call of Duty nowadays. And it's not really the, the storyline in the game isn't that hard. But if mm -hmm. you get online and then you see the lifers on there, the tournament players, and you're like, yeah. dude, I didn't even reload my pistol before he blew me up again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's no question. I, I guarantee you that's where, where it's at nowadays because how I would like to know just the percentage of kids that actually buy like a Halo or a Call of Duty and, and actually play the single oh, the player, story mode. the storyline, yeah. if they actually do that or if they right. just open it and go instantly to, to go online and multiplayer. And do back in the day, that's the all first... it was, was, was levels. That's oh, all yeah. You you could, yeah you it was all about, yeah, you could, all about beating the game and then, all right, let's wait for the next new game to come out. Here's one for you. Do you remember, and this wasn't really a level, but do you remember me, you, and Mike Boyle when we'd have overnight sleepovers? That's my godparent's son. And we had Super Tecmo Bowl, and it was the first game to have every single team in the league, and you could sim the season, but it mm -hmm. wasn't like fast. You had to watch every score be posted and yes. keep your record to see if you would make it if you could make, to the yeah. playoffs. Or else you'd have to quickly stop the simulation Yep, and restart it so that you could actually get into the playoffs. Yeah, now that and that was that would take an hour. We'd go back and forth with chocolate milks and pizza and be like, "Boyle, 
Your team's up. Oh, you lost to the Broncos. That makes you three and two. I don't know, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Those, that was the first original dynasty. You know, you yes. had the uh, college football, NCAA college football, where you could create those dynasties. That was the first real dynasty that you could kind of create. Do you have any other individual levels or characters on your list? Yeah. Uh, Mortal Kombat. The original with uh, Goro at the end there, with yep. the, uh, when he had the four arms, the big four arms, and it was just throwing people around, and and that was not easy. I remember uh, we had a sleepover at a uh, good buddy of mine, AJ Jackson's house, back in I don't know fourth, fifth grade, whenever Mortal Kombat came out, and we were up till the sun came up trying to beat the thing. Just <laughs> There was yes. about five or six of us, and we would just take turns of who was up, and, and we got through all the other characters and, and got to the last one, and we just couldn't beat this dude, and it took us all night. But when we finally did, it was literally a celebration of, of uh, un, just great proportion. It was unbelievable. Okay, I got one for you. You and me in the blue room in our house, Street Fighter Two, mm -hmm. and yep. you played yep. this you couldn't play anybody except each other, so you'd go get, put it on hardest difficulty. And we mm -hmm. remember the guy that looked like Phantom of the Opera, but he was in Spain, Vega. And he Vega. Just did all these <laughs> Vega. And we were like, who is this ballet dancer? And he yes. just dominated us. And then yes. once you got by Vega, which took forever, you had to go to Sagat with the Sagat. eye patch. And yes. I thought both those two guys were harder than M. Bison. I didn't think M. Bison was even <laughs> like, how is he in charge of those two guys? This is yeah. nonsense. Uh, I agree. I agree. Sagat was so much better than than M. E. Bison or whatever his name. <laughs> Street Fighter was big time, man. That was a great game. Remember that? Now that he reminds Blanca. Oh, Blanca was the man. Blanca. It was Blanca and then Guile. Guile was my guy. Yes. Guy yes. was uh, the big old blonde flat top, you know. Yes, it just happened uh, to be Sonic, wearing a wife beater. The Sonic yes. Boom. Yes. Oh, he was so that good was at that. Guy. Um, but yeah, remember when actually people actually went to arcades to play games like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat with the joystick and the buttons, and, yep. and you had to know the joystick routine. Which was, I mean, can you imagine that? How did you? How much? How much money would you have to pay to figure out the button routines to do special? Seriously. Moves? Like now, I just I just type it into YouTube. Like, hey, how do I do Bat Batman's finisher? Dumb, mm -hmm. There it is. But there those guys, is. and even worse than the guys playing, were you and me watching for two hours. Mom could and go not, to the mall, yeah. not give us a quarter, and we'd be exactly. in the arcade. Just watching uh -huh. these dudes that were so good at the game and not really ever learning a thing. As soon as our turn no. was actually up, we would I absolutely get destroyed. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, don't don't oh, go up there God. and play. Just sit back here. That guy's Kano. That guy's Raiden. Watch this battle. When Mortal Kombat came out, we got to go watch somebody get murdered. They hit each other's heads off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great times. Video game juggernauts. Hope you enjoyed it. Probably got you talking and remembering. If you still got a console hidden somewhere, bring on up Street Fighter. Check out Guile. Cross the streams. We'll be back. All right. We are back. Cross the streams podcast. Episode eight, we've done a couple segments already, um, but we wanted to get this segment back. We wanted to get a special guest back, our boy Brandon Eggert, and Crack the Egg. If you remember way back in episode like four or five or whatever it may be, we get a great interview with Brandon, but we also introduce you to the segment that is Crack the Egg, and, and this today's segment 
We're just going to flat out ask some random questions. Kip's got some questions prepared. I'll have a couple that I'll, I'll throw at him. And we just want to hear Brandon's answers to some of these questions. And, and it doesn't matter how outlandish they may seem. We just want to get them on air so everyone out there can hear some of these great opinions or because, not so yeah. great. And as we talked about before, Eggert is the friend that you all have that is super intelligent. And he's going to use that to answer these questions in his opinion, but also to dig it at you. So I've got some Duke <laughs> stuff in here. I've got some stuff that I know you're going to get a great prepared. And it's going to sound like it's absolutely infallible because it's coming from Eggert. But as you listen to it, you might find some holes in it. And that's part of the reason we want him on here. All right, Eggert. We did a segment today talking about video game juggernauts. But I want from you the greatest <laughs> video game console of the early age, I'm, I'm calling it, like 1985 to 95. What, right. what set the stage is the iconic video game console of the early era? Well, I mean, I believe you have to go the, the original 8-bit Nintendo Entertainment System, but only because of the volume of play that we all had with it. We all know how, how amazing Sega Genesis was when it hit the market and yes. how much better the graphics and the games and the fact that you could play Street Fighter 2, which saved us countless <laughs> amounts of allowance money. Yes. Uh, I mean, we used to have to go to the video arcade and pump quarter after quarter to work yep. our game, to work that machine kick with Chun-Li or the backflip with, <laughs> yes. with uh, who was the Sonic Boom guy? I'm going blank. It's not. Uh, oh, uh, Dialism? Guile. 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 Guile, yes. My guy. You got to work that. You got to work that backflip kick. It's key. It's key. Crouch low. <laughs> that's, so, that's, I think yeah. So yeah, I feel like Sega. I feel like Sega actually cre created still to this day what is still the Madden craze because it allowed you that that true format of of kind of that Bill Walsh Madden football when it came out. It was it was amazing. So it was college football. College football, yeah. I was going to yes. say college football and Sega Genesis. That's the one reason why Bo, I bought Bo the Jackson. Sega Genesis was yep, for the eighty one for the eighty one Auburn Tigers. Right. That was yes, because the they right? had the, the, the classic That's right. team That's right. you could go back and grab. You're totally yeah. right. They had Bo, man. They had Bo. I was I was stuck in the '88 Lou Holtz, Tony Rice, and the Irish, and we were still running basically Skyview Wing T or Triple Option <laughs> Veer. Uh, but yeah. you're right. Mm -hmm. You can. I didn't even dive into the like they had a Charlie Ward team on there. They had all kinds in that in the Bill Walsh College Football. It might be yeah. one of the greatest video games of all time that might be on one of my top 10 lists speaking speaking of charlie ward quick sidebar i just want to throw this in there florida state winning the national championship with charlie ward that is the biggest joke of a national championship there's ever been <laughs> two one loss the teams irish, in the irish beat, beat them. them in south Bend. right yep they yeah. each had one loss they played head-to-head -head. notre dame beat them they yeah. both won their bowl games and the irish finished second in the nation in both polls made no sense yeah because the irish lost to boston college and Florida State lost to the Irish. So, hey. yeah, I'm going to give it to Florida State. Well, if uh, sometimes you got to – In Florida State, 10 out of – 9 out of 10 times Florida State beats that team. But the Irish pulled off the 1 out of 10 time in freaking Notre Dame. Well, we so, grew right. the grass long. We sure did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you did right, you did. Kevin McDougal. Kevin, Kevin McDougal. Wow, he's just better. <laughs> Kevin he's better McDougal. than Charlie. Better than Charlie Ward. <laughs> He got screwed. Kevin McDougal should have won the Heisman that year. He should have. He He's a winner. Deal. He's McDougal a winner. Was so good because wasn't he after Rick Meyer 
Hey, oh, yeah. after Rick yeah. Meyer, and he yeah. delivered yeah, unlike Thompson. Rick Meyer. Yep. Yes. Before uh, Paulus and before Compson, but after Meyer. That's yes. right. See, Google. that's why then we he, he played for the Broncos for a little bit. I can't or was remember. That, on that, one. Ja- that was Jairus Jackson. Remember his five ah, seconds okay. of fame? And they, yep, they won yep, 10 yep, games yep. with Arnez Battle as well. But that's a whole other yep. podcast, the Notre Dame greatness. Yeah. We'll, we'll <laughs> do that. I'll do Notre Dame greatness next time. Okay. We, yeah, Notre Dame non greatness. <laughs> that's what I do, guys. I get us off topic. I get us off topic. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Hey, Agar, I know where you're going with this one, but you got to explain it. And I'm I'm very close to agreeing with you. Okay. If I if you end up where you're at, the greatest college basketball coach of all time, Coach K or John Wooden? I I think you got to go Coach K. I think uh, not that Wooden wasn't great, but Wooden had a level of talent that he was not tested in the same manner that Coach K has with the the amount of quality teams and the number of teams in the tournament today. And the fact you have to go six and zero for for Duke to win out of the last twenty, you know, since nineteen ninety, Duke has won over twenty percent of the NCAA tournaments. Well, well, fun fact. Or now I take that back. They were at twenty. They might be at eighteen percent now after the last couple years. But yeah, I I I think you're. I got one out of five. One out of six. I might contend that they're the only two coaches in major sports history that are still loved or admired by the people that hate their team. Oh, Dean Smith was a little that's bit a that way call. too, but, but I don't know if that's a college thing. Cause that doesn't happen in the pros. People hate Belichick that hate yes. the Patriots. They don't like him. They, um, Phil, I think people are either, or I don't think people res- like, re- they don't treat Phil Jackson with the same level of respect that they treat John Wooden and coach right. K with. No, I think you guys are absolutely crazy. Uh, I uh, I am 100% on board with Coach K being the second greatest of all time, but John Wooden won 10 national championships, seven in a row, 88 consecutive right. games, national coach of the year six times. The dude never had a losing season in his coaching career minus his first year in the high school ranks coming out of the Army. Granted, yes, I I, I kind of see where you're going there, Eggert, as far as talent level, but that's – Again, that's just debating eras and, and players, and it, no one can control that. Coach Wooden couldn't control who he was coaching against. 100%. And he still played against some of the greatest players of all time when you look at some of the teams that he did defeat, um, the right. Elvin Hayes of the world and, and things of that nature. Um, and not to mention the guys, the uh, basketball Hall of Famer as both a player and a coach. He was the first right. ever to do that. I mean, the list goes on and on. Now, right? No, I, right. I think no. it's it's hard to. I think there's a valid. Absolutely, I think it's in this one. I think these two. I think Wooden would have would probably win the popular vote. And there's there's not saying that that's wrong. I personally, for me, Coach K cemented it for me when he took Team USA to back to back to back golds. Yeah, Beijing for me to, is what did transform. it for me. The way he could bring them yeah. together. I think that flexibility, and I can I can be the dominant college coach personality where the kids listen to me because I'm dad, or I can be the 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 player like I can be the uh, the searching for the right word, but I can mold with the professional athlete where I can't dominate them. I can just get them to buy into selfless service and then let them play. That part for well, me. Well, I mean, I've done that, but. I- I, I never saw him have that ability the way that I saw Coach K do it. Well, just his dream team and, and other uh, his uh, USA basketball, I think that is definitely a, a feather in his cap for sure. Well, imagine trying to balance those egos on that team too. That was what mm-hmm. was the most impressive yeah. to me. You're talking 2008 
Kobe Bryant and LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony and yeah. Dwayne Wade. Dwayne you Wade, know, I mean, he convinced to come off the bench. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. All right, yep. next five ESPN's been in the news, good and bad, this past couple of weeks. Is, and I'm just thinking about the evolution of their flagship show, Sports Center, which we all used to watch religiously. And now, in today's era, if I can get highlights on my phone, I don't know how, how big of an impact it still has, but it's still famous. Who's the greatest Sports Center anchor of all time? Oh, boy. I'm going to go combo. I'm going to okay. go, for me, it was Olbermann and Patrick. I felt like those yeah. two as a combo – as a unit, played off of each other better than any other two Sports Center anchors in history. I think that's hard to argue with. And especially, can you imagine how good Dan Patrick is at working with someone, considering Olbermann's made his career since then being impossible to work with? <laughs> you know, but they're, Patrick and him made it. Patrick and him look like they were best friends. Kane, you got one on there? Sports Center anchors or duos, I suppose. Yeah, my, my mine is definitely Stu Scott. I, I agree oh, with Oberman and Patrick nice. as far as duos concerned. I think just individually, yeah. those guys are definitely up there. I say Stu Scott just because of his style and how unique it was. Yeah. How it was just out of the blue, just different. And yes. he made it his own. And every time he was on, you're like, oh, yeah, th there's going to be some kind of catchphrase that comes out of this. You watch the highlights just to hear his catchphrase. You didn't really care about the highlights. You just wanted to listen to what Stu Scott was going to say about the highlights. And I thought yeah. he was he was amazing in that regard, and really a trendsetter in that regard. Yes, that, that's a that's a. And didn't didn't Stuart Scott start off on ESPN two when it had the weird logo and it didn't have Sports Center? It had its own version. The Deuce. The Deuce. Yeah, the Deuce. <laughs> and it had a weird version. And, and Stu Scott was on there, and it was like, dude, that guy should be on the real deal. Like yep. ESPN, ESPN two now are kind of the same. You know, mm -hmm. this game's over right. there, Sports Center's on here. But back then, it was a whole different, like, yes, I'm the little brother. I, You're right, Stu Scott. Um, it was he, it was the Ocho. It was, it was the Ocho. <laughs> it was obscure sports. It got the X Games, which was like, why is that's skateboarding exactly on it. ESPN? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's awesome. Okay, here, it's not Sports Center type show. Best game show of all time. Mm. It's got to be Jeopardy or Wheel, right? I mean, I think Maybe. those are they're in the conversation. They have to be discussed. Wheel's been going. How does Pat say? How's he still alive? Sajak's face hasn't changed. <laughs> say, Vanna at least still, looks like she's aging it, gracefully. Now, is Vanna White still flipping the deals, still flipping yes. the letters, or is she pressing a button at this point in her career and just allowing the buttons to change? Along, like, has that show yeah. changed at all with technology? Is what I'm asking, basically. No, I don't think so because they still have to physically spin the wheel. Mm. You know, they you, you would think swipe. they could just, yeah, just do swipe. Yeah, swipe left or right <laughs> on the wheel. The it's Price is okay. Right has got to be up there, doesn't it, with with those two is, is potentially, some people may say the Price is Right is the greatest of all time. Who Bob are you taking? Barker only in his Bob skinny Barker? microphone. Yeah, you're taking Bob Barker and his little mini microphone, or are you taking Pat Sajak in a fight? Who are you taking? That's another great topic. Bob Barker because he beat up Happy Gilmore. Of course. What about Alex Trebek, though? Oh, Trebek's had a run, too. And the Jeopardy. Could, could we say Celebrity Jeopardy at Saturday Night Live is the greatest <laughs> game show of all time? <laughs> By far. I that, would take that, would definitely, that would definitely take my I, – I I'd be 100% on board with that one, Kip. <laughs> was Sean Connery <laughs> tormenting Will Ferrell is Alex Trebek? <laughs> okay, you got any questions for the egg? Yeah. Oh, hey, by the way, my personal favorite, even though it's not the uh, 
not going to be the audience favorite for a game show. Supermarket sweep. Oh, mm. is that where they got By to go far. up and down? And they got a certain amount of time to just make it happen? Yep. Go to the turkeys. Got to go to the turkeys first. <laughs> yes. yes, and they went to the turkeys. Oh, I forgot that show. Did you win on sheer volume or like the amount of money you fit Price. in your cart? How did they win? Price. Price. Yeah, they had to get the most – the key was to go get the expensive items because it was a total – yeah, it was however you could fill all your shopping carts with the most dollars worth of food. If you like, won, did you get to keep your cart? I don't remember. I think you got the money, I would hope. Okay. All right. Uh, this is We're going to stick with kind of the 90s and 90s television. Real world or road rules? Oh, I'm a real world guy. I'm a, mm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a puck guy. Slap her around the world. That makes total sense. Because if you were yes. in the real world, you would have been Puck. Got another one for you. And this will, this Kip, you'll enjoy this one because it kind of has to do okay. with your, your team. Okay. And Dak Prescott or Tony Romo when Tony Romo was healthy? I'll let Agert go first. Oh, not even close. I mean, it's Tony and, Romo. And I'm not talking. I'm not talking. Over, I'm not talking career-wise. Obviously, career-wise, Tony Romo, no question. But I'm talking the last year's debate. Yep. Yep. Of Dak Prescott or the healthy Tony Romo. I lost my mind last year when they weren't going to start Tony Romo in that playoff game. And I and let me preface this: I grew up cheering for the San Francisco 49ers, not because I had any reason to like the San Francisco 49ers other than the fact that I have a family full of Cowboy fans, literally <laughs> so the entire family. To be the nemesis. Of course you were. I can't, <laughs> I mean, I just can't stand the Cowboys. And I was losing my mind. They're playing Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. You're going to yeah. need 35 points to win that game, period. Yeah. I was saying it over and over. And you thought the best way to 35 points was to start a quarterback from a rookie quarterback who played at Mississippi State and didn't throw the ball all that much, it, you thought the best way to outscore Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game was to play him over Tony Romo, the second most efficient quarterback in NFL history. I got to side with Eggert on this. I And I like Dak a lot. I'm, I, I Last year, the entire year, I said when Romo's healthy, they should give it back to Romo. Um, I just think the offense, I think the passing part of their offense is so much better when Romo, I, you look at Dak's numbers thrown to Dez and some of this can be Dez not being what he was, but, uh, Dak's like 42% completion percentage to Dez and Romo was 68. And I think that downfield ability from Dez makes Zeke's life easier, makes Beasley's life easier, makes Witten's life easier. So I was, I, I'm not bashing Dak. I'm glad he's the quarterback, but I was, I was put Romo back in, even if it was going to be seven plays before his back broke again, I was, I was on the Romo bandwagon. Again, I am the minority in this group. of people. <laughs> And completely disagree with both of you. Here's a guy that that had brought you to that point. That It was Dak's team at that point. It was no longer Tony Romo's team. This was Dak and Ezekiel Elliott's team. Dak in particular being the quarterback of the team that had won you that many games up to that point, gotten you into position, and then all of a sudden, the last second, you're going to pull him out like any given Sunday, and you're going to play <laughs> cap That's what with I was his broken for. back. Yes. That's what you're going to do. And Cap at the end of the at halftime is going to come in there. Tony Romo was broken back at the halftime. Is going to come in and go. You know what, Dak? You were you, you got us here. Go take us home, bud. 
can, oh, can I love that's you? what I envision. Because can I love you like a brother, but if you ever compare Dak Prescott <laughs> to Steeman Willie Beeman ever again, I will fly out to Seattle and slap you. <laughs> that's a great Steeman uh, Willie Beeman is the greatest quarterback in movie football history. <laughs> I said it, Jonathan Moxon, and I mean it. Oh, Moxon. 100% is. Hey, what about Scott Bakula's character in Unnecessary Roughness? He could mm. throw it off the scarecrow's face every time. I don't yeah, know if you I was remember more remember that rolling right, rolling left yep. didn't matter. He could hit that dang stationary <laughs> target in the middle of his farm field. They had the no Samoan fun. center that loved Kathy Ireland, the kicker. Yep. Oh, Kathy. Don't throw it to Stonehands. That I mean, that started it across America. <laughs> you would tell that to your buddy who couldn't catch. Don't throw was, it to Stonehands. Now, was Stonehands the make seven up yours guy? Was that him? Was he Stonehands? No. Stonehands no, played you're thinking the middle of the linebacker. Oh. Yeah, Stonehands is Featherstone that ran the hurdles. Yes. But also Stonehands played the middle linebacker in the Alvin program. Alvin yeah. oh. Alvin Mack, one of the greatest middle linebackers in movie history until That's his right. leg went 42 different ways. Remember him and That's Latimer right. spitting in each other's mouth? before yes. the game oh. yes that's a that's a great one that's a we should do that podcast where we we come up with our greatest movie starting five in basketball yes. starting 11 in football we could definitely come up with a great team and like agert said the best part to crack the egg is you can bring three questions to him and we're going to end up on nine topics throughout <laughs> answering those questions i'm pretty certain we came up with all of our topics for next segment we're ready yes. to go <laughs> yes Crack the egg, thanking our special guest, Brandon Eggert, again on Cross the Streams. We'll be back. See you on the other side, Ray.